sure is a ding-dang of a hoedown. Uh-uh, this is a hoot-nanny. Hoedown! Hoot-nanny! Hoedown! Hoot-nanny! Hoedown! 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 Though they try to defeat me, they can all just freaking eat me. To make you call fellatio a trouser-friendly kiss is the plain situation. Be sure that you see that this is not a child. Well, howdy, and welcome to Freaking Sweet Family Guy Podcast. A week-by-week, week, episode-by-episode look back at Family Guy 20 years later. I'm your ding-dang tip-top host, Ian Double Down South. And for those of you wondering, yes, I, I am going to quit that now. Um, this is a fantastic episode. I am your host, and I'm welcome to Freaking Sweet. This is going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, this episode uh, for me is a little special. I am from Oklahoma, which is in the Midwest, right smack dab in the middle of the country. Uh, but I am also from New Orleans, Louisiana, more specifically Marrero, the West Bank. I, I lived out near Jean Lafitte, uh, you know, near Baratari in the back of the Ames. Um, and so this is a really special episode. Um, obviously, I'm none too proud of the specter of the South. And the, um, air quotes, lost cause of the Confederacy, uh, that is a total hogwash. But I will never let the spirit of lower housing cost and fried chicken, uh, leave my heart. This week, we are taking a look back at the episode To Live and Die in Dixie. It is the 12th episode of our third season. It is our 40th episode overall. This episode is uh, really funny, and it's one of the episodes that I feel like is really looked back on um, um, more often than not, like with people who aren't like really into the show, um, just people who you know maybe watched it when they were younger. I think this is probably an episode that they would probably remember. This is a and it's a really good episode. It was written by Stephen Callahan. Uh, he's one of my favorite writers, um, and he's he's a really funny guy. And it was directed by Dan Povenmire, one of my favorite directors of the show. Um, he's directed a whole lot of other shows, and he's really talented. And having him direct um, episodes like this, the, it, it's what makes season three um, one of my favorite, if not my favorite season. It's got some of my favorite all-time episodes. And this episode has some of my favorite all-time guest stars uh, it stars uh it's got waylon jennings and it's also got dakota fanning and also one of my favorite guest stars of all time on um family guy um rachel mcfarlane she's done a few voices but she's got a really clear voice on here where you can hear her voice basically it's Haley's voice um from american dad and american dad is uh was supposed to be the spiritual successor to this but it, family guy turned out to be too popular too uh, die at that point. Um, in my opinion, that's a good thing. You know, others might have another opinion, but, um, Rachel McFarlane's really talented and, um, to have, uh, someone like that to draw from and that being your sibling, um, uh, must be a really, uh, uh, I would think that it would put a little confidence 
in Seth MacFarlane, you know, having someone that maybe he can fall back on. Um, she's always, you know, she's been in, in this show and his other stuff. And then she's also one of the, I would say the stars, you know, because she's in the family, uh, of American dad. And, um, and this is one of her earlier, I feel like, uh, cameos on this. And I just wanted to point it out. And, uh, like I said, she's one of my favorite guest stars and she's, uh, one of my favorite voices from that show. And, uh, it's just interesting to have two such talented people in the same family. And, uh, so I just wanted to mention that. Um, so, and like I said earlier, this episode is, uh, it's all about the South, you know, Chris witnesses a, uh, crime and the criminal escapes prison and says that he's going to kill Chris. So the FBI puts him in witness protection and they send him to, and his family to the deep South. They don't say where, but, uh, there's Confederate flags everywhere and it's problematic on a couple of levels but um especially given the tensions and everything that's been going on with it but uh just taking it as it is as a it, and, and honestly it's a slide at the south like pretty much everything so um just taking it as it is it's a funny episode there's lots of funny jokes and it and it's and it's it is deprecating towards the south um but being a person who lived in the south i never really took any of the jokes personally because i've never made my identification, um, where I'm from. It's never been part of my identity. Um, and, and also that's not something that you should want to have your, as your identity. Um, I represented, uh, when we did the, uh, election special with the family guy, funny cast, um, when we did that crossover, um, one of their guys represent, he basically represented the Northeast cause he lives in the Northeast. Uh, I believe that was Sean. And then Joe represented, uh, the West Coast. He lived in California, and I uh, lived smack dab in the middle of of the country, right in Oklahoma. And um, I feel like I represented the South because, like I said before, I am from uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. And so, um, <laughs> it's just it's for some people, it's a point of pride. For others, I feel like it's a stigma. For me, it's just where I'm from. It's not really a uh, something that I try to have part of my identity because I don't really see it as relevant. Uh, also it doesn't, you know, just because you're from some geographical area, doesn't really say anything about you right on the face of it. Um, you know, for the most part, we're going to come back from an ad from our sponsor anchor and talk all about this episode to live and die in Dixie right after this. And welcome back. And this episode starts uh, with Chris in his school. He come, uh, A girl comes up. It's Barbara. She's voiced by Rachel McFarland. And she is Chris's first crush. And she's the girl from the episode where Peter does his presentation to Chris's class for um, career day. And she's the one that asked if they could speak from to the loan adjuster again. Um, but she comes up and she uh, invites Chris to the party and Chris is, he can't talk to girls. He's absolutely uh, just completely flustered. She's like, somebody peed my pants. And she's like, ha ha, you're funny and runs off. And it's a good thing that she just thought that was a joke because he, she would take that invitation back real quick, I would think. Um, but yeah, like I said, Chris is having problems uh, speaking to girls and that's going to be the crux of the episode. Well, not the crux, but 
the one of the defining cruxes of the episode. Um, we go from there to dinner where uh, the family is having dinner. Chris tells them all about the party. They're they're excited that he's going to go. Um, he asks, he's, he's talking about what present he's going to get her. And he's like, I don't know what to get. And he, and he asks Meg, what, what if presents have guys gotten for you, Meg? Oh, well, my boyfriend, Prince William, got me this beautiful watch and this diamond tiara and this wonderful scepter. <laughs> she needs to get laid big time. That's a dude. Okay. Um, when I was watching this from my notes, that part, the part where Stewie says she needs to get laid big time, dude, that made me laugh super fucking hard. I like way, like way harder than I, I, than I uh, want to admit. I forgot that he said that. That's really funny. Um, but after that, uh, Peter's like, uh, Chris, uh, from what I, from what I know, um, women, uh, are from Venus, wait, meaning, uh, you should get them viscous surface rock and Corona, which seems to be collapsed salt domes over magma. Here's $5. And Chris is like, nah, dad, I am, uh, I'm, I'm going to get my own job and, and, uh, earn the money to get a present for myself. And, uh, Lois is like, that's a, that's a great idea, Chris. And Peter's like, yeah, you know, I, I remember my first job. It wasn't that great. And we get a cutaway to him. He was playing in Hall and Oates. He's playing with Hall and Oates. And he's like, uh, how about, uh, here's to you, Mrs. Fleckenstein. And they're like, yeah, dude, you've been pitching that all day. It's just, I just don't think it's going to work. And it's a joke because their song is, uh, here's to you, Miss Robinson. And he's like, oh, all right, well, you know what? I'm out of here. I guess we're not going to go with uh, 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 pepper, sa pepper, sage, parsley, and Lowry seasoning salt either, um, which is it's pepper, sage, parsley, and uh, thyme uh, from their song. I can't remember what that one is called, but it's from a song of theirs. He's like, I'm going to go to Nam, and uh, which some nerd on the fucking Family Guy wiki was like, um... Excuse me, um, actually, in the flashback earlier, Peter, um, would have been, like, eight or nine years old when this happened, so he couldn't have been in Nam. and I'm like, dude, chill, nerd, and, um, but it's funny, because they just wanted to fit in some Hall and Oates jokes, but it's, it's a fucking cartoon, calm down, uh, and I just wanted to throw some shade at the Family Guy wiki because sometimes their their information is is good. Like they've got some uh, good information. There's a lot of references and uh, 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 outtakes and stuff like that. But and they do have information like from the commentaries and stuff like that. But sometimes the people get on there and they're just like, um, when he said that that Spike Lee uh, was a Spike Lee joke, uh, it was about a Spike Lee movie. And I'm like. Well, Duh, Spike Lee's a fucking director, dude. It's nitpicky shit. I'm sorry. Um, but from there, we see Chris uh, doing his new job. He's got a paper route. Um, and he comes upon um, one of the more famous uh, side characters from Family Guy. This is where Chris first meets Herbert the pervert. Oh, hey there, young fella. Bringing me good news today? What? Come on over here, son. Hand me the paper so I don't need to use my grabber. Mmm. That's a nice muscly throwing arm you got there. Uh, thanks. 
Herbert the Pervert, one of the characters who will probably do a... We're going to start doing these soon, I promise. I, I said this a long time ago and then completely forgot about it. I said it for weeks and weeks and weeks, probably for the, like the first season and like the second... Or the first like half of the second season, I said I was going to do uh, deep dives into characters. And... Um, that just means I'm going to go, like, talk about, like, you know, what's happened to the character, like, um, uh, you know, like, uh, main storylines and, like, talk about a couple episodes that were important for them, but then also just play a fucking funny, a lot of, play a lot of fucking funny jokes from them and uh, just to get to know the character a little bit more. And, um, and, and, and uh, Herbert's definitely going to be one of those characters that, uh, that gets one of those that once we get through the family and stuff like that. Um, but this is where Chris meets him for the first time, and my wife was watching this with me, and she said the same exact thing when Seamus came up a few episodes ago. She's like, is this really how far back he comes up? I'm like, yeah, man, these characters have been here forever, that's why they're so damn popular. She's like, huh. But, um, Chris, it must have worked out for Chris, he must have gotten all the money that he needed, because the next scene that we see is Chris going to the party, um, this is one of my favorite jokes of all time. This is one of, this is probably one of, if not the joke that I say the most out of any family guy joke ever. Chris is at the party. Barbara walks up. She's like, Hey Chris, thanks for coming to the party. He's like, uh, thanks Barbara. Here's my present. He gives it to her. She unwraps it. It's perfume. She's like, Oh, thank you. It's, it's wonderful. He's like, it's, it's, uh, uh, from Elizabeth Taylor. I guess that means you'll smell like Vicodin and, uh, bourbon. And that's not the joke that I mean. And, uh, she's like, Oh, it's great. And he's like, can I spray some on you? And he sprays it right in her eyes. And she's like, ah, and, um, and he's, she's like, my eyes. And he's, and he's like, they're beautiful. Yeah. See, for some reason that that um that really makes me laugh so hard. The um the way that uh Seth Green said uh they're beautiful it, it's just the funniest thing in the world to me. I can't tell you why. Um but <laughs> we cut right from that back to Chris riding his bike and he's delivering more newspapers. He run well, runs into Herbert again. He, Herbert's like, Well what's What's wrong, fella? And Chris is like, oh, you know, it's this girl. I can't talk to her. He's like, oh, who needs him? You, you like popsicles? And Chris is like, well, yeah. And he's like, well, you need to come on down to the cellar. I got a load of popsicles down there. And um, Chris is like, um, he's like, yeah, I know I'm good. He's like, you know, I got a tip for you right here in my pocket. Why don't you fish it out for me? And uh, Chris is like, no, nah, that's okay. I don't collect till the end of the month. Bye, mister. And he rides off. And Pervert the Pervert's just then standing there. And he just goes, he's old fat ass back here. And uh, it just cracks me up. And, and it's probably one of the most, the popsicles thing is the most quoted Herbert joke, I think, of all time. And um, so it's one of the more famous bits and it's fantastic, and um, Herbert, his vo if his voice is hard and easy to do. He, 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 it's it's a long story, but uh, from there, Chris uh, goes to the store. He drops his bike off at the front. He starts looking at something. 
uh, and then a guy immediately starts robbing the place. He's like, give me all the money. The guy's like, I can't. I can't without making a sale, I can't open the register. He's like, all right, well, give me his horoscope pen and these skittles. And he, he, the guy brings it up and gets the, starts getting the money out. And he looks at the horse. He's like, financial transaction benefits you. And they're like, ooh, freaky. And then uh, the guy runs off. And the police show up right when he gets outside. And... Uh, He's like, oh, sweet, a bike. And you think he's going to ride off on, on Chris's bike, but he just picks it up and starts running away, and he just steals the fucking bike. It's fantastic. Um, from we cut right, This episode is super dynamic. We just go right from one piece of the plot to the next. There's really no filler in this episode. That's why I think this episode's really well, um, really well remembered. I think a lot of the episodes that are some of the more popular and some of the more famous episodes are the episodes that don't have it necessarily a bleep B plot or um, necessarily have a lot of filler. I think it's the ones that have just a lot of the plot in it and the, and, and this, and there's a, the um, from the second episode, the second season to boom um, episodes like that are the ones that are more looked back on favorably. And uh, I think um, I, I just, I, I think that uh, there, they're really well put together and i think this episode is is one of those episodes and i think that's probably the reason why this episode's looked back on with uh so well uh but we cut right from that to chris um at the police station the guy was caught and uh he's gonna finger the guy um he he points out that it's number six and then he's like is, he can't see me right and the cop's like oh no son don't worry he can't see you and he's like, all right, well, it's number six. And, he, and then immediately Peter comes in and blows Peter. Kirk, blow, Peter comes in and blows Chris's cover. Uh, excuse me, you guys. Uh, yeah, I'm here to pick up my son, Chris Griffin. Uh, he's here to finger the guy who held up that convenience store. I mean, maybe you've seen him. His name is Chris Griffin. Oh, wait a second. You know what? I think I got a picture of him somewhere. Here, here you go. Yeah, you can go ahead and hang on to that. I got a ton of them at home. In fact, I was going to throw that one out anyway, because Chris messed it up by writing his school schedule and a list of his fears all over the back of it. Um, yeah, Peter. <laughs> yeah, he were, uh, he uh, wrote his uh, school schedule and a list of his fears. So fucking funny. Um, but um, we cut right from that. Uh, to breakfast the next day, they're talking about how uh, Chris is a hero, and um, uh, Peter's mad though because he's like, ah, "Our one chance to put away that showboat and Canadians wench Celine Dion, and you had to just ruin it." And then we cut to, well, not cut to, but there's a little Alf joke where it's like E behind the true story, and he's like, "Yeah, by the third season, they had to cut the crap out of my fur after every take." But would it do it all again? And they interrupt him. It's I like Alf. I saw like two or three seasons of it um when I was a kid on uh like Nick at Night or whatever. It was Nick at Night because I remember it was a big deal when it came on. Um, but we get news that the guy has broken out of prison. The killer. It's the same guy who was the uh he was the mass media killer um in the episode where Meg and Neil worked for the news. Trisha Takanawa is with the dude as he breaks out. She's like literally on the other side of the fence. And she's like, uh, sir, what are you going to do now that you have broken out of prison? And he's like, I'm, I'm going to go bang my girlfriend. And then I'm going to go kill Chris Griffin. And he runs off. And then we cut back to the family around the table. And Stewie's like, go, Lord, 
can he really say bang my girlfriend on TV? And everyone else is just mouth agape because this guy says he's going to kill uh, Chris on live TV. Uh, the FBI comes shortly thereafter, I'm assuming, and they're like, look, it's really dangerous. You're going to have to go away in the witness protection program. Stewie wants to go to Prague, uh, you know, slack off a little bit, but teach English. And, um, and, uh, Peter wants, uh, to go, I can't remember where he wants, it's not funny, maybe he doesn't want to go anywhere. Uh, the FBI is like, well, while you're away, we're going to be staying here at your house just in case. Uh, even though, even though, uh, I'm a, I'm a, uh, slovenly li or even though I'm a fastidious, uh, conservative and my partner here is a slovenly liberal and the partner's like, oh, I smell a sitcom. And, um, yeah, it just, you know, makes me wonder, uh, what other FBI, uh, what other sitcoms would be like if they had the FBI in them? If if they had the FBI, and if if they had the FBI, I'm just kidding. We're gonna do that later. I, I we're we're doing that later. We're not gonna do that now. Um, but yeah, they're going to the deep south, and as they arrive in town, uh, they see a, they see a sign that announces the town's name. It is Bumblescum, and a guy changes the town uh, estimated population from 48 to 54 counting for these six new arrivals and he knew to count brian it's nice that this place counts dogs although i would assume that that would mean that the population of the town is actually really small once they reach the house they begin to inspect it and uh, immediately when they walk in peter well actually immediately when they get there meg is like oh my god this place sucks and and lois is like oh come on meg you know if we if we put a little work into it this place could be a piece of crap which is one of the funniest fucking uh uh just one-liners that i've ever fucking heard in my life um but they start inspecting the house and immediately when they walk in peter just goes right through the floorboards he's like there's a penny underneath the couch and then uh the kids scream they found someone in the closet it's just jeff fox really like you know you're no you're redneck if your gun rack has a gun rack on it and stewie's like you and he slams the door in his face, which is true. Here is the hierarchy of the blue-collar comedy people. Number one, obviously, um, goes to Ron White, obviously, is number one. Uh, then, surprise, Bill Ingvall, number two. Uh, Larry the Cable Guy, number three. Do you know that's actually just an act that he does? Number four, Jeff Fox, really, right? Just number four. Although, I will say that the blue-collar TV show had some funny jokes, but wasn't that great. Like it was a sketch comedy show and that was kind of like their, it, okay. And then, and the things that Jeff Fox really has done, I would say that the Jeff Fox really show is number three, the Jeff, the blue collar comedy tours, number two. And then the best thing that he did was probably the blue collar sketch show. And that's, I'm not saying that it's like good. I'm just saying it's the better of the things that, that he's in that I know of. Um, but Jeff Fox really sucks. I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, that's, that's where, that was the point. That was the end goal of that. Um, but then they keep walking, uh, they check out the kitchen, uh, Peter falls through the, uh, floorboards again. And he's like, there's a crunch barrier underneath the fridge. And that's funny. And then the kids scream again. They come running in. Meg is like, Chris found a hand in the basement in a jar. And Peter, uh, Chris comes in. He's like, I'm going to, I'm going to grow. I'm going to plant it in the yard and see if a human grows. 
and uh that's funny and um peter then inspects the tv he turns it on what he thinks turning it on is i don't know how he missed the the thing in it uh, to begin with but he's like yeah at least it gets pretty good reception <laughs> must be a must be a nature show and he's just seeing a raccoon uh doing something and then it just fucking just jumps out of it and starts attacking him he's like ah, ah, oh my god what ah! so he, we cut right from there uh to uh peter lois is fixing up peter's wounds and Meg is complaining, and she's like, well, Nat, calm down, everybody. You know, I'm sure if we find, go into the community, we can find something that we all like in, in, you know, in this community. Which is true. They all do end up finding something that they, that they all like in this community. Um, they do end up finding something. Maybe not Lois, but everyone else does. Um, but it's, uh, but Peter's like, all right, well, before that, I got to go use the bathroom. He, they're like, well, there's just an outhouse. So he goes to the outhouse, and he's like, uh, Lois, how does this work? You, there's just a hole. Uh, you, there's just a there's just a hole. I don't think it goes anywhere. No, no it is. Oh, okay. And so he, he goes to the outhouse, and an owl flies right into it, knocking it over. He's like, oh, oh my god, it's in my raccoon wounds, and um, it's <laughs> disgusting and gross in every possible way. Um, we cut from that to Stewie and Lois. Uh, going to the general store, she asks the guy if there's an ATM. He's like, "Yep, right there." She goes over to it's just a cardboard box with a dude sitting in it. She hands him her she hands him his her card. He's like, "She's like, how much are you want to take out?" She's like, forty uh, dollars." He's like, "All right, there's a service charge of a buck fifty. You, do you accept?" She's like, "Yeah, uh, okay." He's like, mm. as he's handing her the money, just crumpled up dollars in his hands. He's like, you smell like me inside of my mama's purse. And she's like, okay. And it is here that Stewie hears the dulcet tones of one of the uh, better um, instruments from the South, the banjo. What are those dulcet tones? Why, this is the music of the angels. What is that magical device? Banjo. Pluck that string. No, oh, I feel so deliciously white trash. Mommy, I want a mullet. Yes, Stewie, uh, like many others, is lulled into the uh, lovely tones of the correctly played banjo. One of the worst sounds that you can ever hear is an incorrectly played banjo. Um, we From there, we see Peter... Um, tooling around with his car and painting it, and he put a fucking Confederate flag on the top of it to make it look like the General Lee, but that's so bad. The Confederate flag fucking sucks. Um, and it's super problematic and not cool. Like, um, seriously, the fucking Confederacy is not fucking cool. Um, and, and beyond that, that seems flippant. Like, the Confederacy is, is, uh, gross, like, and not just gross. It's like uh, they're traitors, seditionists. It's, it's not. Oh, it's not okay. It's really problematic. Um, but it's, you know, they're just trying to be like the Duke boys, and uh, they go. Peter's like, yeah, you, you got to get in through it through the window, and he jumps through the window, and he's like, all right, now you and Brian goes to get in, but he smashes into the window because he's a dog, and uh, Peter's like, oh, I forgot to roll down your window. Are you okay? 
you okay? And Brian's just passed out. And many, many, many years from now, Brian's going to have the chance to help Peter and he's going to shoot Peter in the fucking knee and he's going to cite this moment as to why he's fucking pissed at Peter and it's hilarious when he does that. Um, <laughs> and it's the best part. It's the best uh, revenge that it's, it, it's awesome. Um, from there, Chris goes down to the uh, creek and meets a um, uh, a, a local kid named Sam. Uh, Sam is throwing rocks into the into the into the pond, and Chris is like, "Are are you mad at that pond?" And Sam's like, "Shoot, no! Though it did kill my grandpa. He looked in it, thought he saw himself drowning, and jumped in and drowned." And Chris is like, "That's why I'm not allowed to look in the toilet." And uh, Sam laughs, and then his dad's like, come on, Sam, we got to help with the mud harvest. And Sam, he's like, bye, Chris. And Chris is like, uh, bye. And um, uh, that Sam runs off. Sam's going to be a main character in this episode and um, and uh, is a really good character. I really like this episode. Um, just the more and more I talk about it, the more and more I watch it, it's it's a really good episode beyond all the problematic uh, Southern Confederacy stuff. It's a really good episode. We see from there, we see Peter and Brian driving around in uh, there in Peter's car. They're listening to country music and the guy on the radio is like, that was Merle Haggard with I kissed my baby with my fist. And um, they're like, ah, there. And they see a truck that's got its back down. And they're like, let's jump that one. And so they jump it and they freeze frame. And they say, them Duke boys is in a heap of trouble this time. And uh, it's, it's it's really funny. The Duke's a Hazard movie is okay. You know, um, Sean William Scott, pretty, like, I give him a B minus in that movie. Johnny Knoxville, for Johnny Knoxville, I give him a fucking B or a B plus in that fucking movie. And uh, Jessica Simpson was made to wear uh, Daisy Dukes. So there you go. Um, but um, so the Duke, the Dukes of Hazard are problematic too. But you know what are you gonna do? Everything back then was problematic. Uh, from there, we get a glimpse into the Southern school system. Uh, as Meg goes into her class, she has about uh, twelve other students with her, and the student or she introduces her. And uh, she's like, she's from the north. And all the kids are like, oh, my God, you got some of them moving pictures and, and them flying machines and, and such what? And Meg is like, yep. And they're all like, ooh. And the teacher's like, all right, quiet, quiet. I'm going to hand back your test. And, of course, oinky set the curve. And there's a pig sitting there. And they're all like, oh, dang it, oinky. And then you hear one kid. This is a really funny joke. You hear some kid just go, well, then I'm sure glad I copied off on Oinky. And uh, it's, dude, it's, for some reason, that made me laugh really hard, too. This episode, like I said, is just really funny. Um, but it's a true peek into the Southern school system. It's absolutely terrible. Um, we see the family having dinner that night. Uh, Lois is, uh, she's like, oh, you know, it's just shake and bake. And Stewie's like, and I helped basically going word for word with a shake and bake commercial back in the day. And, uh, that's when Lois asked the children, Hey, have you, have you seen your father? Kids, where's your father? Yeah, I'm blending in. Relax, Lois. It's not our house. Well, I'm glad you're having fun, but we need some money coming in. 
Have you thought about looking for a job? Yes, Lois, I have. But I've also thought about getting fired from that job. Is that something you really want to put our family through? Think about that while I get myself a drink. Um, Peter then goes from there. Uh, he's thirsty. He's like, well, I'm going to get, I'm going to go get a beer. He's like, hold on, I'm going to go get a beer. And he goes to the fridge, opens it, and a raccoon fucking jumps out at him again. Um, uh, after that, we see Sam and Chris, they're, they're talking to, they're talking, they're going through a little swamp and they come upon, uh, upon a dead body. It's what Sam was taking Chris out there to see. And they start poking it and, uh, they start talking and Sam is like, I think death is the place where you go after you die and then you it's so bad and you pray for death and death never comes and Chris is like UPN and they start laughing and uh, it's super super duper funny and uh, you know they're just cementing the fact that that Sam and Chris are becoming really good friends and um, uh, Chris is is really enjoying himself Meg is enjoying herself at school Stewie's loving the banjo and Peter's starting to get into the swing of things around in the South, you know what I mean? And uh, so I feel like the, the, the Griffins uh, probably could go from uh, North to South, which is funny because, you know, probably North Northerners probably don't want to, like, probably would have a hard time acclimating to the South. And I feel like Southerners would probably have a hard time acclimating to the North. I know for me, I absolutely hate the cold weather. I lived in New Orleans, which means, like, it got to, like, the 50s, maybe the 40s, but it never, like, if we got snow, it was slush. And it was brown, it was gone within a couple of hours. And that only happened, like, once or twice, I think. And, um, it was, so it was never like super cold and we didn't get a lot of snow. And then I moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, where they actually have, where we, for a while, we got a, quite a bit of snow. We get ice storms. It gets hella fucking cold down here and are up here. And, uh, that's another thing. For some reason, everyone thinks everyone, whenever I'm talking about New Orleans to Oklahoma, they always say down here and Oklahoma's way farther north there than uh, New Orleans. That's just a little observation from my life. Um, just weird, in my opinion. Um, but Peter uh, wants a job. Um, he needs to find one, and Brian's like, well, you know, you always have trouble with the interviews. And we cut to Peter having a job interview. And um, <laughs> the guy asks him, so where do you see yourself in five years? And Peter's looking at a family photo of the guy and his wife and his son. And he's like, don't say doing your, in his head. He's like, don't say doing your wife. Don't say doing your wife. Don't say doing your wife. He's like, uh, doing you, your son. And the guy's like, Oh, <laughs> um, but Peter comes upon the local sheriff and, uh, he's like, well, are you looking for a job? Cause you know, we just kind of trade off back and forth. You know, you just kind of sit here, eat pie, get drunk, hang out. And Peter's like, hold on pie drunk the I'm in. And then we, we immediately smash cut to Peter and Brian. Um, they're both in, uh, police uniforms. And it's really cute. Cause P uh, Brian's in like that, like that khaki Southern, uh, police officer's uniform but he's not wearing like pants and it's just really fucking adorable to see uh Brian in little outfits like that. And then also they're drunk and drunk. Brian's one of the best, uh, fucking characters. Um, and, um, they're just, they're just drunk. They're like, man, nothing, nothing's going on. Phones ring all day. 
yeah, it's quiet. And uh, Peter's like, oh, you give me, give me your keys. Give me your keys. Brian's like, no, 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 no. Later on, uh, Peter, Brian, and Chris attend a Civil War reenactment from Sam's dad, and uh, it's absolutely terrible. It's, uh, it's what we would call today fake news. Robert E. Lee, I knew I'd find you here where they seat the sorry-ass losers. <laughs> Ulysses S. Grant, you invite me to lunch, then show up an hour late, drunk? I was busy looking for your wife to give her the old... <laughs> Sir, this means war. I am vanquished. I hereby declare victory in the name of the Confederacy. Yeah, it's absolutely terrible uh, lies. It's kind of what they tell themselves, uh, kind of like with the uh, the lost cause of the Confederacy, where they try to pretend like it was just about heritage and and, and states' rights. It's bullshit. It's all bullshit. They're just a bunch of sore fucking losers, and they fucking know it. Um, but and, and and rightfully, Peter steps the fuck up like a goddamn American, and he's like, um, no, that's not how it happened. Uh, that that guy kicked your fucking ass, and um, all of the southern people get super mad, uh, um, and uh, they're like, "Well, how are you going to tell that to them, Civil War vet?" But uh, yeah, frankly, if Civil War vets were coming after me, um, I wouldn't be too goddamn afraid. I'm pretty sure I can outrun them. Uh, but uh, so Peter does uh, go to run off, um, and. Um, so he's he's being chased by these uh uh, uh these these uh, southern uh, southern people in the Civil War vets and they get into the car and they run off and um, as as and 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 we get a really good Duke chase um, a Duke boys chase where they're being chased by the mob and they're and they're running around in, in their General Lee style car and on this crazy note this is where we're going to leave you. Uh, for the third act, when we come back, uh, we're going to just do something, uh, maybe a little less stupid than last week, hopefully. Um, but when we come back, we will wrap up the third part of to live and die in Dixie. <laughs> What do you mean it wasn't you? Of course it was you. Who else could it have been? Your butler was seen in front of everybody at the time of the crime. Your sister was in Japan and your wife was three miles away. It had to be you. All right, Seinfeld. You've been interrogating this guy for five hours straight. Go get some lunch. I can't. Why not? They won't serve me anymore. No soup for you? No soup for me. <laughs> You know, kids, life's funny. We meet all sorts of people every day. You meet the person driving your Uber, you meet the person who hands you your lunch, and all these meetings, and they don't even phase us, but that early morning, 3 a.m. in fact, and my mom says nothing good happens after two, as me and my friends from the DEA and ATF raided that house, I wasn't even expecting it, but I guess that's how it happens. One second, you're going along, and the next, BANG! You're in love. Well, as she turned around, handcuffed, and I shined my flashlight into her mouth, asking if she had swallowed anything, 
I looked into her bright, soft brown eyes and BANG! And that's how I met your mother. When we come back, we see Chris and Sam talking underneath an embankment. They're like, well, I guess we can't hang out together anymore. This is terrible. And Chris is like, I just wanted to be friends. And Sam just just pushes himself on Chris and they start kissing. And Chris is, pulls away and is like, what are you doing? And then just at that moment, um, we see uh, Peter come flying over the ridge that they're standing underneath. Um, and uh, we get a freeze, and there's a Duke boy. He's like, oh, man, them Duke boys is in a whole heap of trouble. And we see the Civil War vets uh, freaking out on the ridge. Um, later, we see Chris typing out, like, on a on a computer or a typewriter or something, uh, like a diary. And he's like, dear diary, Sam kissed me today, and I don't know how to feel about it. And um, Brian's like, you kissed Sam today? And Chris is like, how did you know? And he's like... You're talking out loud. I can hear you from the other room. And Chris is like, well, I don't know what to do. What should I do, Brian? I haven't been this confused since the end of No Way Out. And we cut away to Brian and Chris coming out of No Way. How I picture cutaways are is like one of the characters says one and then um, they and whatever they said magically gets transported to what they do. What I really want to do, what I really, really want to do is I want to be in a D&D campaign as a player. Um, on a podcast and I want to be an artificer and I want my character to be a, a sentient um, living cartoon and so what I want to do with that as an artificer is I want to make magical items that I can then pull out of my pockets uh, just crazy items like a hammer but it looks like you know a big sledgehammer and uh, maybe like a, a rabbit I think based off of the rabbit that um, um, Pegasus has and um it's like purple with like a vet can you tell i've thought about this a little bit um but um yeah so uh chris is like you know they they, they get a cutaway to brian and chris coming out of no way out the movie and uh chris is like how does kevin costner keep getting work and it's funny and then um we cut back to the house in quahog where the FBI is playing a video game and you can barely clearly see the one who's not playing get up. He answers the door and the guy's like, Hey, I've got a telegram for Chris. And it's the robber from earlier who escaped and said he was going to kill Chris. Uh, maybe you've heard of him. He lives in Quahog. He's traded on the New York Stocks Exchange. Um, but he's like, I got a telegram for Chris and the FBI's got guys like that's confidential. I can't tell you where he's at. And he's like, Oh, Oh, uh, did I say Chris? I meant his sister. And he, the guy's like, oh, oh, well, if you meant Meg, well, then here's your address. And he gives them a piece of paper with their address on it. And then he goes back inside and the guy's like, hey, why'd you play my guy? Oh, well, you were just taking so long. So I decided to play your guy. Oh, well, I didn't want to play anyways because um, and he's like, well, you, you suck anyway. So it's a good thing. And he's like, oh, well, I'm going to go draw boobs on the edge. Just catch fine. Go ahead. They always come out square. And then he wasn't even playing. So it's not like he, it's, it's just kind of like an animation mistake. I just wanted to point. It's a little thing. I just wanted to point out. And, uh, but yeah, so the FBI has now told the robber slash, uh, future attempted murderer where Chris is. Chris comes up after that to Sam on a dock while Sam's fishing. And Chris is like, Hey, I, uh, I just, I just want to talk to you and tell you that I don't, I'm not, 
I'm not like that. You know, I don't like you like that, but you know, I still want to be friends. And Sam's like, Oh, I understand. I want to be friends too, Chris. And then he's like, you want to go swimming? And Chris is like, yeah. And so they start getting undressed. And as Chris uh, and Sam are undressing, Sam takes off her hat and long hair comes out and takes off her clothes to reveal that she's wearing panties and a bra. And Chris is like, oh my God, you're a girl. And Sam's like, of course I am. And Chris, you know, yells and runs off. And then after that, we get a... uh, one of my favorite parts of this episode, if not my favorite part, and my wife's favorite part of the episode, it is a song that I constantly find myself singing throughout the years, and a, wife, uh, or and a song that my wife immediately started singing along with the moment it started. It is Stewie's My Big Fat Ass Baby song. Met her on my CB, said her name was Mimi, sounded like an angel come to earth. When I went to meet her, man, you should have seen her. Twice as tall as me, three times the girl. Oh, my fat baby loves to eat. Loves to eat. A big old Buddha belly and a breast swing past her feet. Eat. My fat baby loves to eat. My big old fat ass baby loves to eat. I got blisters on me fingers! Yes, that is right. That is Stewie's big fat ass baby song. It is awesome. Um, and there's actually a little mistake, uh, in the subtitles for the episode when you're watching it, uh, the part where he says, um, met her on my CB, said her name was Mimi. And then it says on the subtitles, um, met her on my CB, said her name was Vivi. And that's funny to me. Um, but from there we see Peter and Lois having a date night. Uh, things are getting hot and heavy. Peter's like, you know, the kids aren't going to be back from that town social for a while. And Lois is like, hey, I think I know what you're getting at. And she opens her shirt and you can almost see her boobs. Uh, but then out of nowhere, a raccoon comes flying out and Peter starts wrestling with it. And as he's wrestling with it, Lois gets a phone call from the FBI back in Quahog. Um, They're having a big fucking FBI party in the background that Quagmire's actually at. He goes running by at one point going, giggity, 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 giggity. And um, he's like, shush, shut up, guys, shut up. And he's like, I promise you won't be mad, you know, um, but it's probably nothing, but we might have told the criminal where Chris is. And um, and uh, Loves is like, what? It's a really good animation point where it zooms in on her face and it black, kind of like gets darker and it's really good. Uh, it's a really good uh, animation. And then she tells Peter to call the sheriff and he's like, okay. So he he picks up his phone, uh, calls the sheriff, and he, he his cell phone goes off. And I think it's the first time that he has a cell phone. Actually, it's not because in the episode where he goes to Hollywood to meet Brian, he has a cell phone that gets stuck in his stomach. But he calls himself, and he picks up, and uh, he's ta- he talks to himself, spells his own name to himself. And Lois is like, you're the sheriff? And uh, he's like, who's that? And he's like, that's my wife. And then he hangs up both phones, and she's like, you gotta do something. And he's like, uh, she's like, you know, you gotta do something. You gotta round up a posse. He's like, that's gonna be hard since I uh, pissed off the whole town with that uh, Civil War reenactment. And uh, she's like, well, you gotta do something. And so he runs off with Brian. And uh, from there, we cut to the barn dance. Uh, we get our opening clip here uh, right before anything. And um, it's a nomenclature fight just trying to uh, decide what to uh, call this fantastic evening. 
sure is a ding-dang of a hoedown. Uh-uh, this is a hoot-nanny. Hoedown! Hoot-nanny! Hoedown! 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 Uh, Stewie's band is playing in the background and um, Chris is uh, really embarrassed. He walks up to Sam. He's like, hey, Sam, um, I'm, uh, I'm sorry I ran away from you earlier. I just, I just can't talk to girls, you know. I'm, uh, I'm just no good at, at talking to girls. And Sam's like, well, you had no problem talking to me when I was a boy, right? And Chris is like, yeah. And he's like, well, just pretend I'm a boy, silly. And Chris is like, well, okay. And then they go arm in arm. And it's actually really cute. And she's in a little dress and her hair is down. Uh, and she's like, you want to go make out down by the old town bridge? And Chris is like, yes, sir. And so they walk off. And I just read the novelization of A Million Ways to Die in the West. Um, I don't know, just apropos of nothing. But it's really good. the The book is it's it adds a lot of uh, just inner thoughts and stuff like that. And um, both the movie and the book are underrated. I feel like, um, but they run off to go make out by the bridge, and uh, we see Meg uh, gloating outside just over her life. She's like, you know, glasses are sexy in the city, and they're like, ooh, I hope her brother don't have dibs on her. And then uh, Peter drives up and, um, oh, and uh, Peter drives up and um, is like, hey, Meg, where's uh, Merce Chris? That guy's coming to kill him. And, and she's like, uh, he's down by the old town bridge with uh, Sam. And she's like, you know, my brother's the one she's, he, he's here to kill. And this little tiny girl is like, my daughter would absolutely love you. And that's one of the funniest fucking jokes in this whole fucking episode it's so goddamn funny and meg better better soak this shit up because this shit will not continue um in in cohog from this point forward i can promise you that uh but from there we see uh sam and chris they're 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 sitting on the bridge and she's like you're so cute you're like a skinny garth brooks which is hilarious and i actually like garth brooks and that's kind of fun. i've met garth brooks i met him at a bass pro one day that was uh, pretty fun i met him with my mom and my stepdad made my mom's like life she loves garth brooks um but uh the bad guy gets there and points a gun at chris and then peter gets there and the bad guy loses his gun and then Peter's gun doesn't work. He looks down the barrel and a raccoon comes out of nowhere and attacks him. And the bad guy just picks Chris up in a chokehold and, and puts him in a chokehold. And he's like, Dad, Dad, help, Dad. And uh, then out of nowhere, Sam's dad just, we just, bam. And, and the bad guy gets shot in the back and he just goes limp and dead. And uh, it was Sam's dad who came up uh, from behind and shot him. He's like, you people all right. And all of these Southerners come up with their guns, which is totally 100% motherfucking true. <laughs> and, um, believe me. Um, and, uh, he's like, you know, and what's funny is he just kicks the body in the river, which <laughs> is really funny because, uh, I've been, uh, past smooth out. And as I was waking up, I could literally hear my friends in New Orleans talking about what are we going to do? Well, should we take his ass to the swamp? Not the fucking alligators eat him? I was, dude, that was 100% gonna fucking happen because they weren't gonna get in fucking trouble for me knocking out like that. Not, not the point. Um, but, um, 
Sam's dad actually turns out to be nice. He's like, look, as long as you guys live here, you're Southerners too, you know, and we take care of our own. And they're like, Peter's like, yeah, that's really great, you know. Um, you know, and, and I think we've all learned something here today, you know. It doesn't matter where you're from or what color you are, as long as you're all the same religion, which is true. The best religion is no religion. But um, from there, the Griffins are leaving because the bad guy's gone now. He's dead, and there's no point for them to stay anymore. And they're really sad. Um, Meg is saying goodbye to all the students and the teacher, and they couldn't, they couldn't afford to get her nothing, so they just all spit in a jar. And uh, so she got that, which is, yeah, that's what you get, Meg, for doing all this bragging when you're here. And um, then um, Chris and Sam are saying goodbye, and he's like, I'll, I'll be sure to write you, Sam. And Sam's like, and I'll be sure to learn to read. And it's super funny. And uh, yeah, so then they leave, and um, it's sad because... Uh, Chris lost a girl that he really liked. Um, but when they get home, uh, they are inundated with 139 messages from Herbert, who's just like, Hey, where's the paper boy? I was hoping he'd come by and bring you some good news. And that'll do it for this episode. That's where the credits come in. Um, this episode is super fucking funny, and like I said, as a Southerner, um, it just kept hitting me in all the right places, um, just making fun of the accents and all of the, the backwater bullshit. Most of it's dead on, a lot of it's exaggerated, but it's a really funny episode. Um, Chris got to, to, to do his thing with a girl, and I think he, it helped him kind of overcome it. Um, I love to see drunk Brian and, uh, that's usually followed by a drunk Peter. So, you know, I love a drunk Peter too. And then Stewie's banjo music is so funny. Um, and Meg got to be the center of attention for an episode. So I think overall this episode was really good for everybody. In my opinion, the only one who might not have had such a good time was Lois. Um, but she seemed to be okay. Like I said, she seems to be pretty flexible as far as the TV wife goes. Her and Marge seem to be probably the most flexible of them all. But this episode is really, really, really funny. And, um, it's got a lot of really funny jokes and I, and I can't oversell it enough. Um, (laughs) this, uh, this episode probably, if I did ratings, probably would elicit a, like an eight out of 10 probably from me, maybe a seven and a half out of 10, maybe seven or a six and a half out of probably somewhere between a seven and an eight, uh, depending on how you feel about all of the, um, maybe some of the more problematic jokes, uh, throughout the episode, but it's, it's, it's a funny episode and, uh, I'm glad we got to go through it, um, with you guys. And next week, we're going to be doing the hilarious episode, Screwed the Pooch. It's uh, one of my wife's favorite episodes. We get a really good long episode with the Pewter Schmitz and Brian Humps' Way to Mental Health, which I think we can all agree is uh, fun. And it's a really, really funny episode. I can't wait to go through it. Um, It's not as, um, like super hyped as a lot of the episodes we've been doing lately, but I'm going to promise you that it is not going to be an off week for us here. Um, But if you would like to get in contact with us uh, between now and then, you can send us an email at frickinsweetfamilypod at gmail.com 
or you can go to our page at anchor.fm slash freaking sweet uh, and send us a message from our homepage there. Um, and then you can uh, catch us next week. Like I said, we're doing Screw the Pooch. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, this week was a lot of fun. I just want to say thank you to everybody for listening. Have a good week, and we'll see you next time. Bye. in a couple days, wondering if you ever gonna come back. Guess who? Sorry to leave you so many messages. Just lonely here, thinking about the must-down paper boy, wishing he'd come by and bring me some good news. Where are you? Oh, you starting to piss me off, you little piglet bitch. Call me. Bow, 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 b